You're listening to Bad Trip, the true crime and other weird shit podcast where two sisters take you on a wild ride through some of the world's most fucked up places. Each episode, we journey to a new location and explore its sordid past, creepiest urban legends, and landmarks you won't find in the guidebooks. So buckle up, because it's about to be a bad trip. We interrupt this program because the civil authorities have issued a contagious disease warning. Now we're one. Where is your emergency? The U.S. Navy has finally acknowledged that videos appearing to show UFOs flying through the air are real. Initially, many thought the pops they heard uh, were fireworks associated with the show. But soon it became obvious that this was an attack. Sing for me, Paolo. <laughs> oh, man. It's not a thing. That was Ariana Grande doing a Hillary Duff impression. <laughs> Wait, no. No, no, no. That was Aspen doing a Shauna impression, doing an Ariana Grande impression, doing a Hillary Duff impression. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back to Transylvania. No, I think we should start over. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I say that? Just, I regret the accent. <laughs> Altogether, I regret it. Isn't that where vampires are from? Yeah. Okay, just wanted to make sure. Uh, hey, this is Bad Trip. Yeah, it, we're actually not in Transylvania. We're in Utah. And we're actually not starting over because we're lazy. And you guys can deal with it. Hi, I'm Taylor. I'm Shauna. We're in a new setup this week. Yeah, we're uh, Taylor, really. I didn't do shit. Taylor like rearranged our little podcast room, which we call Dante's Inferno. And um, she set up these standing desks. So we're standing up right now. It's, you know, great for our health or whatever. Yeah, it's like the circulation is on point. Yeah. So we're going to see if this, I don't know, fucking makes life better or whatever. <laughs> Maybe well, finally life will be great. Life is instantly better. <laughs> That's how I feel every time I buy something. I'm like, oh, these standing desks will fix everything. That's an addiction. That's a problem. Yeah. I'm aware. Okay. As long <laughs> as you know. Um, so anyways. So we're in Utah this week again. Taylor is gonna be coming at us with some weird laws in the state of Utah and then some pit stops, some places that you might want to check out. And then I will come in and tell you. I don't know why I keep saying come in. Like, we're not coming from anywhere. Where are we going? I'm going to swoop on in. (laughs) I'm going to come scoop you up. One time at work back in the day. Back in the day. Oh, my gosh. um, So I work in, like, you know, corporate America, whatever, in marketing. And one time I overheard this guy back when we worked in the office. He was a sales guy and he was on a phone call talking to someone who might buy our software. And he was like, uh yeah so i'll just like parachute into your inbox in a few days <laughs> no so yeah so he lost that sale i think he did so anyway <laughs> i'm gonna parachute in with a story uh a true crime story yes 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 um <laughs> can we get a disclaimer can you parachute in with a disclaimer please or, right. sorry i'd prefer a nice skydive in all right i'm on my way Shoop. okay so I think, honestly, I think this intro was the disclaimer. <laughs> it's like, if you can deal with this, you can deal with anything. Yeah, but um, I'll do it anyway. So 
We are primarily a true crime podcast. We like to talk about kind of all things weird, weird locations, etc. And um, we don't take it too, too seriously. We tell some serious stories, but we like to keep it light whenever we can and just find levity in the weird, crazy shit of the world. So that's who we are. We're going to swear, making making them jokes. We're going gonna- <laughs> <laughs> to be making them jokes, making them jokes. We're going to fuck up. <laughs> We're going to fuck up like I just did. And then Taylor saved it. Yeah. Um, and that's who we are. So if you're not into that, totally cool. But this is not the podcast for you. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing else to add. Whew. Anyway, with that <laughs> sparkling introduction. Yes. Thank you for that. Uh, you changed my life. Life is better now yeah. with that introduction. Oh, actually, before we get started, I did want to say one thing. All right. Um, we still do have stickers available. And if you would like a two by two vinyl sticker, with the Bad Trip logo, you can claim yours for free. That's right, folks. Zero dollars. Including the postage. Yeah, you don't have to pay for a stamp. We have it covered. So get it at bit.ly slash badtrip01. Check it out. Check it out, please. And with that, let's get into these weird laws. All right, you know what time it is. Mad loves. Boy. We're starting with. Sorry, I just breathed out <laughs> into the mic. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. That was like, I don't know, like a really tired dog, like a tired golden retriever on a hot day. Last time I was yawning. This time I'm just golden retrieving. Anyway. Anyway, we're losing it. So we're starting with our first Mad Lub. And it goes like this. This ain't no circus. A person operating a blank or blank shall keep at least one hand on the blank at all times. Okay, so I think that this law is that a person operating an elephant or tiger shall keep at least one hand on the gluteus maximus at all times. Wait, their own, the tigers or the elephants? The animals, the respective animal. (laughs) Okay, amazing. Uh, Just the circus inspired me, you know? Yeah, yeah, Barnum and Bailey style. Mm, abusive. Anyways, animal cruelty. Anyways, I wish it was that fun, but the answer is a person operating a bicycle or moped shall keep at least one hand on the handlebars at all times. So you get arrested for being like, look, ma, no hands. Uh, I Yeah, it's a misdemeanor, I believe. Okay. But I have a loophole. Oh. Learn how to ride a unicycle. Oh, yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. So what if you only have one arm and you have to like scratch your nose while you're riding your bike? Well, I don't know. You better not have a nose. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. You better not ride a bike or a moped. But like very exclusionary. It is really rude. Honestly, what if it's a motorcycle? Are you like okay to like fucking operate a Harley? Oh, well, then you can do whatever you want. Obviously. As long as you have like an old cigar in your mouth. Yeah. It doesn't have to be old. It can be new. <laughs> it's no, probably it ha- better new. It has to be a crusty old cigar. <laughs> like one that you found in, I don't know, your grandpa. Sorry, he died. But then you found it in his like old box. With- yeah, with like a mysterious photo of a woman oh who's my not God. your grandma. I was going to say that. Oh, my God. Oh, We're on the yeah. same wavelength. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Okay. So anyways, yeah, that situation, that's illegal-ish okay well let's see if we're on the same wavelength enough for me to actually guess this next one right you might all right so imagine yourself in provo utah 
I have no details about Provo, so just make it up in your head. There's probably some rocks, so that's what I'm imagining. Okay, you're around a bunch of rocks. So you're sitting there on rocks, around rocks, in front of rocks, and here we go. Look, I know you're mad that Duncan put the gross cheese on your Beyond sandwich again, but don't you dare throw a stone, stick, snowball, or other blank at them to get revenge paraphernalia Ooh, i almost like that better the answer is missile oh i didn't realize that a snowball could be a missile i guess it can here's the thing so i think i told you this when i got back from my trip but when we were on the golden gate bridge there was a sign that like specifically said don't like no throwing missiles off the bridge or like don't drop missiles. Oh, yeah. So I think that's like a common term. I want to believe it's fully like a government like rocket missile. Yeah. Like you have a snowball that's actually secretly <laughs> a missile inside. Right. But no, it just means like a projectile or something. Yeah. So. um. So, yeah, no, no throwing missiles. I'll do my best, but that cheese is pretty nasty. It's not good. Okay, so I have a quote, like, just breaking down this rule a little bit more. It says, Every person who shall willfully or carelessly, within the limits of this city, throw any stone, stick, snowball, or other missile, whereby any person shall be hit, or any window broken, or other property injured or destroyed, or in such manner, as to render travel upon the public streets and places of the city dangerous. I don't know what the... F- I don't know any what you just said. Okay, wait. Okay, I'm just going to stop and say basically it's saying you can't throw any of these things if it's going to hit a person, hit a window, and break it or break other property. Thereupon. Thereupon. Destroyed. Um, if it's going to render travel upon the public streets. So like, I don't know what you're throwing. What does that mean? Render travel. I think it's like it's going to like kind of make people unable to travel in the streets. Like, I don't know. What does render mean? I don't know. I just know like I'm rendering the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) that's about it. Oh, and you can't do it to frighten or annoy any traveler. Well, what if they're not a traveler? What if they're sitting still? Then you can annoy the shit out of them. Frighten them with all your might. Okay, so like you're surrounded by rocks because you're in Provo and mm-hmm. you can't throw a single one. That's so rude. You can't. You pick the, the worst place to be in Provo. So that is my second law and second mad love. I loved it. You loved it? Mm-hmm. Thank you. So that's it for those. We're going to move on to the pit stops. First, we are going to Salt Lake City, Utah. You know, have you heard of it? Salt Lake City, where you can visit the grave of Lily E. Gray. Lily E. Gray. Sounds spooky as fuck. Well, it gets spookier. Lily's tombstone reads, Lily E. Gray, June 6th, 1881 to November 14th, 1958, victim of the Beast 668. Excuse me? Literally on her grave. And this woman was like 80 when she died? I can't do math, but that's my estimate. I think, yeah, she was like in her 70s or something. And she was taken by the beast? Victim of the beast. 666. 666. Please tell me there's more. Oh, there's more. 
So it's really eerie because no one knows exactly how or why it was put in the cemetery like this. Although there are theories, many people attempted to research the grave and Lily herself, but they strangely always hit a brick wall. Like they could only find out so much information. Rochelle Hawk was like on it. She, I don't really know how, whatever. She did better research than everyone else. Sorry, guys. And she had to weed through like the very few resources about Lily. There were a bunch of like spelling discrepancies, wrong birth and death dates in some resources. So like she really was trying to figure out who really was this person. Where was she at? Like what even is her name technically? Dude, I feel that I had to deal with that in my case this week researching. Oh, my gosh. So many discrepancies. Um, Because, okay, there's like one newspaper on Monday. They say this one thing. And then on Tuesday, they're like "Uh, the opposite. Okay, yeah, that's annoying. I feel like that's how it was for this, but kind of different, but still. Like, her obituary spelled her name one way in the paper, but then her tombstone was different. And I'm like, shouldn't the same person, like your husband, probably be doing both of those? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't have an explanation. It's weird. It's weird. So, yeah, she just really was trying to find any discrepancies, um, trying to correct them and figure out really about Lily. The information that she could find was her obituary, which states only that she died of natural causes, which is interesting because her tombstone says victim of the beast. I mean, theoretically, if you believe in all that, the beast is natural, right? Ooh. Like what's more natural than God and Satan, right? Like a lot of things. (laughs) I'm just saying, theoretically, if you believe that God created everything, then- that's true, then he, capital H, is nature yeah capital n and thus he down below lowercase h probably is nurture (laughs) capital n um this has been psychology talks with taylor and shauna yeah and now we're gonna direct you to our photos and those can be found on our website badtrippod.com in the episode guide or on our instagram at badtrippod Yep, and you can find a link to both of those in the show notes. Yeah, I always forget that part. (laughs) I also just discovered you can actually make them clickable, which I didn't know before. So now you can just click them. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. No more copying and pasting for you, bitches. I know every week you're copying and pasting our Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I'm just like an old person. I don't get technology. All right, so we're going to start out with a photo of Lily's actual tombstone and than her obituary that was in the paper. Yeah, I mean, that fully says the beast 666. Right? So, well, you look at these. I'm going to read the obituary. Okay. Mrs. Lily Edith Gray, 78, died Friday, 11.10 a.m. in a Salt Lake Hospital of Natural Causes. Born June 4th, 1880, Canada. Salt Lake resident since 1950. Married to Elmer Lewis Gray, July 10th, 1952. Fido, Nevada, Elmo, Nevada. Do you know what that says? It's too far. I can't see it from here. I can't see it from right in front of my face. Frodo. Fro- okay. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So Frodo, Nevada, survivors, husband, several nieces and nephews. Wow. So she got married late in life. I love that for her. Yeah. And he was actually like, there's a bunch of drama with her husband that I just could not get into for a pit stop. But he was like, He hated the government and he hated like the police. Amen. And he was married to someone else and he blamed that person's death on the police or something. It's just like a whole convoluted thing. Interesting. 
some of the theories like there's one theory in this that relates a little bit to that but i just cannot does anyone believe that he killed her or something i did not see that okay okay sorry bro (laughs) sorry but she had to ask so yeah okay fine she died in a hospital whatever but what was this beast situation because that's like literally on her tombstone like what yeah i mean not only did the person who bought the tombstone have to say hey put this on here but the tombstone maker had to be like yeah okay right and i read that it was her husband so i mean i'm just like huh but after this an association with alistair crowley was made Ooh, do you know who that is or have you heard the name yeah he's the dude who's like the creator of satanism right okay so yeah he's like a big occultist he was known as the great beast 666 which oh. he coined himself he fucking made up his own nickname <laughs> what a nerd get a life dude um yeah so he's famous for being an occultist ceremonial magician and inventor of the religion the lema he's also known for satanic ritual abuse religious persecution by ding 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 mormons Highway 666 in southern Utah and spousal abuse. So he's great. Yeah, not a great guy. Um, That said, Satanism itself, it's not really a big deal. It's like not a bad thing. Not at all. But when you throw in satanic ritual abuse, that's when it becomes problematic. Totally. I just just wanted to mention that. Yeah, yeah. We like Satanism's cool. Do whatever you want. But other than abuse and stuff. Yeah. Just don't try to don't try to convert me. Don't convert me to your religion. Um, so if you look at our next photos, you can see Aleister Crowley's bitch ass himself and the symbol for his religion and just a cool bloody 666 sign. Once again, he looks like a freaking nerd. Honestly, actually, that's a pretty cool picture. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I like that one. Still pretty nerdy. Uh, I mean, he's like, I don't know. He looks all magic and stuff. I know. Also, I feel like weirdly he should fit in with like the original Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, I see that for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um. So he sucks, but it's a cool picture. I know, right? So there's so much information on who the British press called the wickedest man in the world. I could probably do a whole episode on him. And also, like, I'm sure a podcast has, but you can Google it because I don't got time for that. A podcast that I listen to and really like, Oh No, Ross and Carrie on Mm -hmm. Maximum Button Network. I've told you about it before. They go and investigate different like cults and and religions and paranormal claims and, um, you know, like fucking diet pills and shit. I don't know. They just investigate different things that people are trying to peddle. (laughs) Oh, so like MLMs and shit. Yeah, kind of. And so they like did a series a mini series where they went into like a satanist church and so they talked about the history and it was it was really interesting i obviously don't remember very much because i never remember anything in my (laughs) life but uh if you guys are into that if you like like skeptic looks at like and they like go undercover it's kind of cool Ooh, oh that's interesting is it like a different like a couple episodes per topic or what's the deal yeah sometimes it'll just be one episode usually it's a couple they did scientology and that was like a long series Ooh, i want to listen to that oh they eventually got kicked out spoiler alert but like obviously well yeah uh actually they're fully in it now and we've (laughs) lost them completely sorry yeah but if you're if you're interested in that kind of stuff and you want to dig deeper i highly recommend oh no ross and carrie oh no (laughs) ross and carrie help me Okay, so anyways, that actually is cool. I'm going to add that to my list because, you know, why not? So even though I'm not even sure if their paths actually crossed in real life, 
Lily Gray could really have been a victim of Aleister Crowley's weird rituals. Just based on like when she died and stuff? Yeah, and he was in Utah at a time. And he was alive in the time she was alive. So it's just interesting. Like, why is his nickname on your tombstone? Yeah, I mean, I guess if the husband is like a conspiracy theorist or something, you know. Hey, now, you're not here to debunk this. You're here to listen. Also, who knows? Maybe he's fucking right. Yeah. I mean, maybe he also nicknamed himself the Beast 666 and killed her. Maybe their dog's name was the Beast 666 and the dog mauled her to death. Oh, God. Of natural causes in the hospital? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it came to visit and it was like a, an angry chihuahua and it got into like mm, the morphine. No, then it would sleep. Well, God made chihuahuas so that it's natural. Oh, my gosh. You're right. Literally anything is natural. Yep. If you're in Utah and want to actually like take a gander at this tombstone, you can stop in and make sure to go to the Salt Lake City Cemetery's office and get a map because it sounds like a very confusing cemetery. But I'll tell you because everyone's going to need this and remember this and I will be the resource you look back to if you need this information. Okay. Not Google. <laughs> the coordinates for the grave in the cemetery are X-1-169. Dash four dash E in the most southeastern section of the cemetery. I'm so glad you shared that with us. <laughs> I know. Well, I just wanted like, you know, what if someone's walking through the cemetery listening to this and then they're all of a sudden like, I do want to go lollop over that way. Yeah. If you're doing that, what a coincidence. Like then we should get lottery tickets together. Call me. Um, And I have a bonus Jonas for you. There's another creepy grave situation in the same cemetery and I'm not going to get into it, but there's a haunted legend as its background. So if you Google Emo's grave, it should pop right up. I'm sorry, Emo's grave and you decided not to cover that? Uh, Yeah, because the next one I have is long and I'm tired. OK, well, Emo's grave sounds I want to go there. I just want to play like My Chemical Romance and like fucking i don't know dashboard confessional soft emo well the name on the like it's like a big ass um what's that called when it's like a building like a mausoleum yeah yeah like that so it's that but the name emo isn't on it so i don't really know why they call it emo's grave the name like maverick is on it or something Well, because that's where the emos go obviously <laughs> well <laughs> i guess you're right uh, yep okay she I figured mean, it yeah, out yeah problem solved problem solved all right moving on okay so now let's get into this chunky one all right our next Utah pit stop is in Voree, Wisconsin. Excuse me? <laughs> um, it's basically Burlington, and it's in Walworth County, where we're from. Wait, I know what you're talking about. You do? Yeah, because mom told me about this before. Oh, this is annoying. No, it's cool. Okay, this is funny because the next thing I have is... Mom called us excited to fill us in on this info, but you were napping. So I was like, don't fucking tell Shauna. <laughs> I was like, give me all the details. And she was like sending me links and like telling me because her and dad have been to it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's cool. You know, you guys will hear about it in a second. You gave us a solid background on the history of Mormonism and solid to me. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I'm basically a religious scholar. <laughs> I mean, you do have your <laughs> I almost said GED in religion. That's not correct. Yeah, I do. I have my GED in religion. Ding. I have my badge in Awanas. <laughs> she got her Girl Scout patch. But I'm going to give you a little like reminder anyways of this, you know, quick little history. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. 
Yeah, in case you didn't listen to two episodes ago. Yeah, or if you don't remember like me, I like probably blacked this out because when I was reading, I was like, this is all interesting new information. Mm-hmm. What I know it's not. Taylor actually just copied and pasted my notes. <laughs> I should have. What's wrong with me? Oh, okay. So Joseph Smith, I do remember him because his name was boring and it made me laugh, was the founder of Mormonism and the Latter-day Saints movement. Before getting to Utah, the group like bopped their way through the U.S., They were in Kirtland, Ohio, Independence, Missouri, Nauvoo, Illinois, and Carthage, Illinois, to name a few. So did you know they were like all over the Midwest like that? Yeah, I told you. Right. I remember, too. That was a great time we had. Um, One that we didn't talk about, though, was Wisconsin. We didn't talk about that. And it is weirdly in such little research. It's like so odd to me. It's left out of so many like you know big timelines of mormonism and whatever it like goes straight to this kind of like second part of this and you know i'll explain better yeah i mean i guess there's just a little blip on the radar i know but it's a weirdly bigger blip than what they actually keep in the story to me so i'm like this is confusing but okay okay i don't remember the details so i'm excited to hear this Ooh, goody good all right when prophet joseph smith died a bunch of folks actually stepped forward claiming they should succeed him as leader of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and around 1844 the saints were divided over whether to follow either a the council of the 12 which were brigham young's people Mm -hmm. b the surviving members of the smith family c the remaining members of the first presidency or d other leaders such as james strang or lyman white for a religion that was brand fucking new they sure had a lot of options like what is happening here i know so many options i guess because they were like we're new and we all want to do our own thing so let's break off and start our own yeah let's start our own cults oh i mean sorry religions yeah religions haha so um james strang which i have to call him strange like strange you know i just like it okay James Strange is what we're going with, but it's Strang. I just can't. It's like too hard for me to say that. Ain't no Strang, but a chicken wing. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I just subjected you to that. Oh, that was everything I needed. So, lordy lord. Brigham, old Brigham buddy, leading a mass Mormon exodus, brought his followers to Utah, just like you told us. And James Strange ended up leading his people to Vory, Wisconsin. Okay. See, I did not know or remember that. Right? So that's like, mom told me that. And I was like, wait, what? Because, you know, eh? Eh? the strangeite, which is probably strangeite. Strangeite sounds better. Strangeite. We'll go with that. Okay. The strangeite church was created and Voree became the location of the strangeite Mormon settlement with about 2000 people. I love that we're just fully in Wisconsin. Like, we are not in Utah right now. We have left the building. We are not in Kansas anymore. To be fair, I did do the Pennsylvania episode where my detour was basically in Germany. So exactly. I can't complain. And I'm like, this is connected. So I'm just trying to get you guys out of the house and traveling more when, like, everyone is vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. In Voree, they established a quarry, built many stone houses, several of which are still standing to this day, had a community with a blacksmith shop, tavern, school, and a tithing house, which I looked up, and it's basically where you have to 
pay to be religious. Yeah, you have to give a certain percentage, right? Yes, that's what it was. It was like you have to promise like 10% of your fucking entire income. That's like in almost all, I don't know, branches of Christianity. Like that's a thing. I'm like, if I wanted to give 10% of my income away, I'd have a kid. No, thanks. Oh, that'd be a lot more than 10%, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Depends on your income, I guess. Yeah, it would probably be like 90%. Oh, anyways, I wishful thinking, not the kid, the money. Yeah. Odd. I was just like thrown off by that. I was like, that's gross. But I love how they have like their own little, I don't know, fucking toll booth or whatever. I know it was like a little house. Like it was so funny. Um, I'm going to show you some photos real quick. A couple intro photos. So remember, check them out. Okay. So this is like the old town map that is like, I, what's the word? Like embossed. I don't think that's the word. It's engraved. Like, pounded into metal it's like pounded it's pounded the fuck into that metal it's, they fucking pounded that shit like <laughs> your mom last week no <laughs> anyway sorry taylor's been watching too many early 2000s movies like dude where's my car <laughs> um so anyways it's an old map they pounded it and then it's this like this rock sign about james strange all right more rocks that you can't throw. You can't throw them. Oh, we're in Wisconsin now. We can throw whatever the oh, fuck we want. Oh, dude. Well, I haven't looked it up, so don't get crazy. Do a little research before you start throwing things at Wisconsin. Yeah. Mm, I think it's fine. Unless you throw fists at the fucking Republicans. <laughs> Scott Walker. I'm not actually threatening him. Don't sue me. I'm not either, but if you got hit by a bus, I wouldn't cry about it. No, 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 no. I'm just not trying to like incite a riot. Wink, wink, wink. Oh. Oh, wink. Okay, so now take a look. See at these. Oh, this is the man? Yup. This is strange. I mean, what'd he say to you? He said, hey, girl. Oh, no, Taylor. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't make me read that. You have to. There's, it's part of our contract. It's fucking bitch. Okay. There's a headshot. A headshot? I don't think they called it that back then. A portrait? Um, It's a photo. <laughs> a fucking portrait photo of James Strange. And uh, he has a speech bubble that says, Hey girl, want some of this strange? James Strange. You did that exactly how I wrote it. I had... If I had to read it, I was going to go hard. Thank you. Oh, Just it's like, like they did on that metal. <laughs> they, you pounded the shit out of that strange. We're such children. <laughs> um, I remember, re I don't know why this reminded me of it, but I had trauma, so I had to tell you. So in like, I want to say fifth grade, it was fifth grade because I can picture the direction I was sitting in the classroom. Um, We were reading out of a textbook and I had to say, I don't even remember what word it was. But like a naughty word for when you're like in fifth grade and you're yeah. like, I'm embarrassed because I was like obviously reading ahead the part I had to read. Oh, and I yeah. was like, oh, no, you're, you're reading about like plant reproduction or something. Like, literally. So when I got there and it was Mrs. Vote, she's the coolest. Um, when I got to the part where I had to say it, I was just like, I lost my place. And like everybody knew what I was doing. <laughs> That's so funny. And then I had to say it anyways. Like she made me do it. Just oh like I God. just did to you. That is so funny. And that's how the cycle continues. One time in like seventh grade, I'm totally outing Drea right now, but we were in uh, the locker room, like getting ready for gym or getting whatever. And she somehow we got on the topic of how she refused to say the word penis she's like 12 we're all 12 <laughs> and miss begonia made her say the word penis oh my god i literally want to 
She was like, you have to be able to say it. It's a scientific word, which is totally fair. But also I'm like, you not can't the make a kid say penis at school as an adult. <laughs> like she was the health teacher. I mean, we had to say abstinence all the time. That's not a bad word. I mean, penis is not bad. <laughs> no, penis is bad. I mean, bleep. I'm bleeping it out. Look, I can't even get into the things that we had to deal with in gym class sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, that was just a uh, penis. Whatever. <laughs> that was just a penis. Oh, so. Oh, God. And now this bitch. Um, can I look at this picture yet or no? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it's time. Oh, and now this one is it's like a little monument and it's captioned a super erect monument in the center of Voree. Is that how you say it? Voree? Voree. In the Mormon Park. Fonks. Burlington <laughs> Historical Society. <laughs> I was so at work when I was doing these. Was that a typo or was that just you being silly? Silly. That's how Kirsten writes it to me sometimes. Thongs. She says thongs. It's um, like stonks, but. Yes. Yeah. 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 It okay. gives me like just a good little giggle. Is, um, I don't know. Is this man like 20 or 55? I can't tell. He's 437. Okay. I don't actually know. Fair. He's strange though. I forgot how wild this gets. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. So a small hill in Voree, known as the Hill of Promise, is allegedly where Strange unearthed the Voree plates. No. Yes. So after. Okay. This is what I vaguely remember. Okay. Because I, I think I thought they were part of the original plates and then they gave those back to the angels. And I was like, well, then how'd they end up in, in Wisconsin? Yeah. Okay. They're different. Okay. So they're different plates. So everybody's just finding these plates. Why are these gold plates all around? I don't know. Can I find some, please? The Vori plates were three small metal plates purportedly containing the ancient record of the Raha Manchu of Verito. I literally looked up so many things to pronounce and not that. I didn't even make an attempt. I forgot about it. I fully believed you. So. Okay. So good. So, but if I said it wrong and offended you, I really am sorry. I love how we always apologize if we pronounce something wrong, but not for saying like Mormonism is a cult. <laughs> it's because like, I don't feel bad about that. That's your fucking choice. That's yeah. I don't want to disrespect you, but I, hmm, that's not true. I don't want to disrespect you for something like that i only want to disrespect you for your dumb religious choices and political choices yeah i will actively not be friends with someone with certain political views but i don't think that would stop me from being friends with someone like religious wise i could be friends with anyone of any religion as long as they didn't try to like put it on me right i agree and like don't talk to me about it that much but with politics i'm like no i can't even be your friend yeah no it's like sorry but also i'm not sorry because you should be sorry yeah so let's see the plates oh yeah yeah so the thing the raha manchu was an ancient inhabitant of the area so it was like this ancient person's like records i guess is what strange said right and this became a scripture of strange's church that is still accepted by his followers today oh do you know how many followers he has left yes we will get into that okay so, oh, I have photos. First, this is the rock that like is memorializing the place where they were found. So many fucking rocks. Okay. So many. Oh, Shawna, you were right. I didn't even think about it. This place is full of fucking rocks. Oh, wait, we are in Wisconsin. My bad. So he like found these things under a tree. He had to dig under a tree. 
did an angel tell him they were there? Because that's how Joseph Smith found his plates. I think he might have had a wet dream about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. That's the same thing that happened. It was a wet angel dream. Oh, yeah, yeah. There was like an erect monument happening somewhere. And then there's just like the little remembrance of what happened, how the plates were found. You know, it's okay. really great stuff. It's a plaque. It's a, that's it. It's a plaque. Okay, and then here is like an old newspaper from that time. And it says where the mysterious plates were found with a really grainy photo of just like some land and trees. When was this again? This is like the 1800s. Yeah, I think this was like 1846-ish, 47. Wait, there's a date in the corner. Oh, look. Okay, what is it 1847. I'm so smart. I knew it. You remembered your own research. Oh, my God. Yeah, but I did it two days ago, so. Yeah, it's a long time. That's a long time. I've had a lot of accounting in between. Um, But yeah, this is like they were front and back. That's the situation with the plates. They look like fucking... I don't know why I'm like swearing up a storm today. They look like trading cards. I was going to say they look like shrinky dinks that I made in camp. That too. But they also look like trading cards. Because there's like, is that a dude on one? Yeah, it is. So that's him and his stats are on the back. He's like, I've (laughs) hung out with Jesus five times. (laughs) I've been in and out of the Golden Gates three times. Mm -hmm. The Golden Arches as well. The Golden Arches. (laughs) Extra salt on my fries, please. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of crazy. Like people, some people that thought he was cuckoo cachoo literally thought that he melted down like a brass teapot and like forged these plates. I mean, he pounded them. So they think they weren't even gold. Yeah, Mm -hmm. pretty Mm -hmm. much. So man, the man, this guy, man, 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 Manchu, Manchu Raha. Things didn't go exactly as planned in Voree as normally happens when you start a cult slash religion in a place like Burlington, Wisconsin (laughs) in the 1840s. When there's like three German farmers and like a goat. Yeah. And like everyone's name is Joseph and it's weird. Eventually, the group had to relocate because land prices were getting too high, making it hard to gather to the settlement and purchase farmlands. Also, a group of Strangeite leaders led by Aaron Smith rejected strange and formed his own group it's an offshoot of an offshoot of yep. a religion that's like 40 years old or something like that correct not even i think it's no it was like new like 20 years old or something yeah it was new aaron smith he's another like big guy you'll read about and he's kind of like mentioned in the town as well but because of this Strange had to relocate his church headquarters to Beaver Island, Michigan in 1848. Okay. Okay, so this is the thing I was kind of saying. When you like research their time in the Midwest and like when you research James Strange, a lot of the big timelines literally skip Wisconsin and go straight to Beaver Island. Interesting. But it's weird because I'm like, Voree is where they formed in wisconsin 2000 people were there it's where they split 2000 people yeah i said literally that. i missed that that was like the size of our town growing up yeah literally it was yeah he when he left brigham young's group 2000 followers oh, totally missed that holy cow yeah okay so then when they went to beaver island after aaron smith took his people and he didn't necessarily take everyone people had also kind of left the religion but about 500 people went to beaver island okay that's so interesting you think that like if i don't know finding these plates would be significant or whatever oh he like lost them i forgot to mention that they were gone damn he should have just said he gave them back to the angel i know why didn't he lie like why didn't you say i don't know crazy stuff i can't believe i left that out 
someone was like, hey, we are going to make sure these are gold because maybe we can like buy this land with this gold and we can melt it down. And he was like, um, I actually lost them. He's like, what plates? Plates who? He like took every newspaper in the town and like had a bonfire. He burnt the plates. Is that what you're saying? No, the newspaper that oh talks about where they were found. I thought you meant he like used them as kindling uh, to burn these metal plates. I was like, I don't know if that would work, but no, he just burned all the records of the the plates. And this is the one remaining record here. <laughs> it's so true. It's so good. Oh man. Oh my god. The best part. Oh okay. When he got to Beaver Island, he was crowned the Mormon King of Beaver Island. All capitals. Like, that was like a nickname or something going on. That was like his fucking title. Yes. The Mormon King of Beaver Island. Yeah. MKBI, baby. <laughs> MKBI 2021. MK Ultra. <laughs> They're basically the same. Oh, man. So, okay. Opposition. <laughs> Opposition. Let's talk about it. Okay, Professor. Holy shit. Um, opposition eventually led to the fatal wounding of Strange in 1856. He was taken back to Voree to rest. So he like went back to OG Voree. He was like, I don't want to die in Beaver Island. I want to be a Mormon king in Voree, Wisconsin. So he went and stayed in this house that was there originally. And 19 days after he was shot, Strange perished, causing the city he founded to essentially vanish. Wait, I'm so sorry. I think i blanked for one second oh my god no i missed the you said after he was shot but i missed the part where he was shot (laughs) okay he went back to and he got he got a little place and he was living in voree remember the opposition yeah led to the fatal wounding of strange but like how like what happened There, there was just like a fight with people that were opposing him and he was like yeah no fuck you so then he was shot and then they were trying to heal him and whatever and he went back to voree to rest and then 19 days later, he died. Okay. Wow. Fully missed the part where he was shot in the first place. <laughs> you were like, wait, what? Uh, so the city vanished. Kind of. People didn't really like have anyone to follow anymore. So there are some, even to this day, people still in Voree, but everyone was basically kicked off Beaver Island once he died. All the Mormons were like, totally like, you gotta go. Yeah. Even though there's only a small strangeite presence in Voree, like I said, you can still definitely see the remnants of the town and what it used to be. So this is like what mom was telling me about her and dad were driving through and they could see they were like, whoa, that's crazy and whatever. Oh, okay. It's like a little shack. It's a it's a meeting house, but it looks like a little shack on the outside. Yeah, it does. It's like I that's I guess kind of it's a little bigger than that. It's a weird angle, but um. Everything was like handmade with rocks, like literally people found rocks. The way they did it was like they put the nice round symmetrical ones in front and then they would like cement the oblong ones and the smaller ones in the back. And it's just nuts. Like people used to just build shit with their hands. They were like, I want to live here. Let me just build a house. Yeah. I'm like, what land did you have to buy? Like, did you have to give them scraps? Like money's not real. Who are you buying it from? The people, the government who stole it from other people? Uh, Right. Or like, did you just murder the native people and then take it? Because that's not purchasing either. They're like, this land's getting too expensive. We actually have to pay for it now. Despicable. Oh, and he's okay. So he's buried in the cemetery there. Dude, Taylor, I want to go here and check it out. I know it's it was so like it gave me it gave me a fright (laughs) when I looked it up on the map. And like the first thing I was like, wait, 
I know mom said it was close, but I was like, that is like Williams Bay. Like the little blip was yeah. so bottom right of Wisconsin. I was like, you're so cute. It's right down there. I Is there more to the story? Uh, no, I mean, that's really it. I do just want to say there's a virtual tour of the town with like 100 fucking photos or something. And it's on strangeite.org slash tour. And we will link it in our sources. Strangeite. Strangeite. We don't know. We don't know. But really, it's a cool tour. Look at it. Love it. Awesome. Um, so what I was going to say was that, OK, this is what I remembered. And I guess I'm wrong. So false memory. I um, mean, maybe you're right. And I just didn't get into everything. No, I just. OK, so I didn't remember any of the history. What I thought I remembered was that there was like a little store in Vori, like where they had one of the plates on display and then it went missing. I mean, they left that part out if that's the case. I don't know where I would have gotten that. Like if my brain made it up, I don't know. But that's I kind of want to. Can I Google it real, real quick? Yeah, that's so weird. I mean, I was like looking it up and I literally was like, where did the plates go? Why are there no plates left? Like, what the heck? Why doesn't anyone write anything down these days or those days? I swear there was like something on Atlas Obscura or like hmm, one of those sites, you know, that has landmarks. <laughs> OK, well, I can't find it. So mm, I guess mom will tell me if I'm pulling this out of my ass or not. I mean, I feel as if you are, because otherwise she would have told me that when she was telling me all the things. Yeah. And I would have found it when I Googled the plates for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I like the weird thing is I have a distinct memory, but I must be remembering something else and just like conflating it with this. Because I was like, I remember reading it. I can like picture the web page kind of. <laughs> I don't know. I also read something that was like he went to prove to his wife that they were real. So he brought them to her to show her. But then I was like. Then I think it was talking about Joseph Smith and the first plates. So hmm. but I was like, but he supposedly gave them to the angels. So then it was very confusing because then I couldn't find that sentence again. And I was like going through my history. I was like, blah, blah, blah. well, I mean, it's all wild. It's all bonkers. It's all fake. Money's not real. <laughs> Make a hand hone stone house. Yeah, one of those. Wow. OK, well, that was a fun little double detour a pit stop detour into wisconsin yeah it wasn't really a little one it was kind of like a like three thousand mile detour i really enjoyed it me too i had fun researching it and i also just don't want to research mormons ever again for the time being ever again. yeah i feel that it's really hard to talk about anything in utah without talking about mormons it's like impossible like we said mormons make up 60 percent of the population they literally founded the state like they're everywhere. I, that sounds horrible. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> I just mean, it's not common. Like, obviously, there are Mormon populations everywhere. But it's just a big drastic difference between Utah and every most other state. Yeah, it's just like fully the culture. It affects the culture so much. So that's really interesting. The culture. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then come back. And I'm going to tell you, well, my story is also involving Mormons. So that's fun. <laughs> it's like oh my god the turtle fucking oh i'm raging about i'm raging about um the Derek chauvin trial and i just need to say that everyone needs to be aware of what's going on fuck Derek chauvin allegedly yeah especially if you live in the u.s yeah if you live in the u.s and you know about the george floyd murder i need them to stop calling it an arrest but i know we don't get super into like on topic things but i just because we're raging about it had to say something and it's just like 
filling my everyday at work. So yeah, I haven't been actively watching it because it's too upsetting for me. But I've been reading like recaps and yeah, it's just good to stay informed. Yeah, stay informed. I have the weird thing about watching and listening to stuff to torture myself. I do not blame anyone else for not doing that. So still, you know, look stuff up, know stuff. And now Sean is going to tell us a true crime story. Creepy, creepy. Okay, so this is the story. Hmm, It just occurred to me I didn't look up this last name. Oh, my gosh. Let's let's sound it out together. All right. So, well, the first one, I can pronounce this first one. This is the story of Ruth Drake and Sarah Lundstedt. Lundstedt. Yep. Sounds right, right? L-U-N-D-S-T-E-T. E-D-T, but yeah. E-D-T. Yep. I think that's right. Cool, cool, cool. As a linguist, yeah, yeah, yeah. With my GED in linguistics, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, that's why we speak French so well. Can we shout out Margot? Yeah, I'm like literally gonna cry because Margot is one of our French listeners, and we just read her email in our little like break, and we're just we love you. She sent us the cutest picture of her cat, and just like. It was just the sweetest email. So thank you, Margo. You are amazing. And I can't wait to reply to you tomorrow, which is weird because I normally hate having to reply to emails. It's like having a little pen pal. Yes, you're my friend, but you're not like a little pen pal. You're like a dope ass like scientist doing like immune system things and you're cool. So yeah. So hopefully you didn't blow up your spot too much. No one stalks you now, I hope. <laughs> you're the only Margo in France. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a very rare name. As if I'm the only Taylor in the US. Do you I- forget where we were? <laughs> no were you gonna say utah i played the fifth okay um so anyway back to the story that we didn't start yet <laughs> all right so i was really surprised to find out that no other podcasts have covered this story if i'm wrong please let me know but i did a deep dive google search and couldn't find anything all right so there the other podcast that did this is with the plates on display in the town <laughs> yeah yeah exactly okay great okay so again this is the story of sarah lundstedt and druth Druth. Nope. Ruth Drake. (laughs) I like Druth. Ruth Drake. Sorry. Okay. So Sarah was born in Syracuse, Utah on December 12th, 1903. Her parents were first generation Americans. Her dad's side was from Sweden and her mom's side was from England. Oh, that's fancy. (laughs) Sure. And they were Mormons, part of the LDS church. And Sarah was the eldest of four girls. Even the word eldest is so Mormon. Because they have they call each other like elder... I know someone, by no, I mean like someone on payroll that I've paid before in my life, is named Elder. Their name is Elder. Interesting. And I was like, this is interesting. It's one of the names that I'm like, oh, my God. And then I think, you know, Kirsten or Tyler or whatever were like, um, you know, that's like a thing. Like, I was like, what? I've never heard it. I've heard it as a title, like referring to Mormon missionaries. Right, right. But then like as your name on your birth certificate. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. What's the name from earlier? Gary Baldy. Are we allowed to say that? I'm not saying I got this name at work, but there is a first name that I stumbled upon and it is. It's Gary Baldi. It's Gary Baldi. It's like Garibaldi, like the Italian last name, but with Y's instead of I's. So it's literally Gary Baldi. But it's obviously one word. And I want to know when this because like everything for some reason in payroll is like typed in capitals. I want to know when it's typed in or, you know, written in like regular case mm-hmm. is the B capitalized. Ooh, that's a really good question. I'm going to have to meet this this clown. This GB. This GB. This Gary Baldy. Gary Baldy. What a cool name. <laughs> Wait, actually, Christopher was like, I wonder if he's bald. 
Oh, wait. I can't, I we don't can't, even know if it's a he. I can't say my part because we didn't say his last name and uh, I'm not going to say that. But I had a really funny joke. I'll tell you. Later. Wait, tell me right now and then you can cut it out. <laughs> was it as funny as I thought it was? Yeah, totally. Thank you for lying. <laughs> okay. So that was just a little bit about Sarah. Now let's talk about Ruth Drake. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot we're not talking about Gary Baldy no, for this story. No, we're not. All right, Ruth Drake. All right, so Ruth Drake was born August 8th, 1903 in Ogden, Utah to a Swedish mother and an American father. So I didn't realize, I guess, there was a decent Swedish population back then. Or they were the only two families. <laughs> Maybe. You don't know. You never know. You never know. Uh, they were also part of the LDS church. So Ruth had five younger siblings, but one of her little sisters died of diphtheria at the age of five. I thought that was just like an Oregon Trail. Disease. I mean, look, it's the 1900, early 1900s. Like people are dying a lot. That's true. You can just slap a name on there and be like, it's diphtheria. They all just died of consumption all the time. Yeah. What is consumption? Who knows? It's, no. a, it's a thing, but I don't remember. Um, so Ruth was popular in high school and she was a talented pianist and friends sometimes called her Rudy. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. So in around 1920, Ruth and Sarah were both 17 years old and they met when their families were vacationing at the same campground in Provo, Utah, surrounded by rocks, probably. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's a big, it's like a big area. Yeah, I know. But still Provo specifically. Yeah. I really something about the word Provo grosses me out. I really don't like it. Oh, because it's like provolone cheese. Yeah, it's kind of like provolone. Like G N E is like a gross situation. G N E, like Bologna. Bologna. That's not how you spell it. <laughs> no, it's not. Wait, in my head, it's <laughs> provolone. Yes. Oh my god, I've never had to spell it out. I think I just always pictured it. P R O V. Provo, O L O G N E. Like cologne? Exactly Taylor, like cologne. You're so French. <laughs> A provolone. 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 Oh, day provolone. <laughs> oh, day toilette de provolone. <laughs> oh, lordy. Okay. So, anyway, they met at this campground, right? Provo, Utah. Right. right. They're 17. It's 1920 ish. Correct. Okay. They became friends, but they weren't like besties or anything. They didn't live in the same place. So it's not like they saw each other all the time, but, you know, they were friends. I think they wrote letters back and forth here and there. So then three years later in 1923, they were both 19 and Ruth moved to Salt Lake City for college and moved in with the Lundstedt family. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so Sarah was still living at home with her family and um, Ruth needed a place to stay. So she crashed with them for a while. OK, cool. And then in that time, she and Sarah became much closer. They fooked? Not yet. OK. <laughs> But that summer, Ruth moved out and got her own place. And Sarah, who was the one living with her family still, um, she actually married a traveling salesman she'd met at work. His name was Robert Doyle. What? Yeah. So she's 19. He, different sources. So this is what I was talking about, the inconsistency. Somewhere said he was 21. Somewhere said 25. Whatever. He wasn't that much older. He's in his 20s. Yeah. But I think he was traveling a lot for his job. And she said he was kind of just like not there. And so their relationship went south pretty quickly, and they separated after just seven months. Yeah, that's smart of her to do. Yeah, you gave it a shot. Yeah, it's like, don't marry a traveling salesman. <laughs> Especially if you're not into men. Right. I mean, like, I mean, unless you it's might a lady be... traveling salesman. <laughs> well, right. But also you might like both, but it's like, 
the traveling salesman thing in the 20s means he's fucking someone else with his briefcase on the counter. They were all fucking someone else in the 20s, though. That's true. But um, Sarah was not into men. She told her friends as much. <laughs> She's like, hey, guys, I'm really not into men. I wonder if she was like basically like women on Instagram today, i.e. me. Um, like, I hate men. Oh my gosh, do you do that on Instagram? No, not on Instagram. I mean, not like actually, but you know what I mean? Like I like yeah. posts like making fun of men. Oh, I hope everybody that listens does that. Yeah. Please, it's a requirement. Yeah. Um, you know, as I say in Wine and Crime, fucking patriarchy. Amen. So at this point, Ruth is still going to school and she's living on her own. Sarah is married and living with her husband, but then they break up and she's kind of just living on her own. And so she's like, hey, well, why don't I invite my friend to move in with me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they moved in together in the house that Sarah had shared with her husband. But he was no longer there, obviously. And at this point, their relationship did turn romantic and sexual. Wow. And they became a couple. Okay. But obviously, this was, mm, let's just say frowned upon. Or, yeah, that's frowned upon. I mean... You're not supposed to be gay and you're not supposed to fuck before you're married. And they were doing all the above. Yeah, exactly. And by that, I mean, they were doing two things that the Mormons didn't like. Yeah. And that most Christian religions are not into. Yeah. And also a lot of Republicans. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there were definitely mixed feelings about it, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. All right. So now it's 1923 to 1926. This is where... The newspapers were a little jumbled. I couldn't quite tell the order things happened in. So I'm just going to tell you to the best of my ability. General timeline situation. Yeah. So over the next three years, Ruth and Sarah's relationship was very tumultuous and even abusive at times. Ooh. Yeah. So it was one of those things that were like when it was good, it was really good. But when it was bad, it was not not good. Were they both abusive towards each other or... So from my understanding, Sarah was the abusive one. Mm-hmm. Um towards the beginning so oh. yeah they didn't live together this whole time they i'm not sure how long they were living together it was for a while but then they eventually moved out separately so then you're like oh thank goodness and then they're like psych yeah so over that time period of three years when they were around 19 to 22 which like in the first place is a really fucking hard time to have a relationship because you're going through so much change in your body still and I in your life. I literally cannot. I like wish I could black out <laughs> 19 yeah. to 22. Not great times. <laughs> Not great. Well, uh, so at that time, Sarah was sometimes controlling. So she would get livid if Ruth didn't answer her calls, even if Ruth wasn't home to answer them. Oh, oh, like a dog on a home phone. I'm like, what do you mean? She'd be home to answer herself. Yeah. She just <laughs> texted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was obviously not good. You can't get mad at someone for having a life. That's very controlling. And not even mad, but like livid is just like another level. I mean, that's my word. Oh, sometimes I just assume you pull the word because it's like a good word. Nah. Oh, okay. I don't fuck with copy and paste. I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I normally just look because I type faster than I can copy and paste. Uh-huh. That's me with the airplane ahead of everyone else in typing class. <laughs> I don't need to get into that right now. Okay. Um, oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Elementary school stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, back to this very serious topic at hand. Correct. So another time there was like a community dance or maybe a church dance. I'm not sure. I don't know if they call it a church. A cult dance. Oh, wait. The Church of Latter. Yeah, they, I guess they do. Yeah. Well, if they were part of the Latter-day Saints. They were. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then you proved me wrong. <laughs> I said that before. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. You literally didn't hear that my person got shot. I said it twice. <laughs> I don't listen. I block out religion. So I actually don't know what we're talking about right now. All right. So anyway, they're at a dance, right? And Ruth was dancing with a guy. And Sarah came up to them and physically pried them apart. And it was so aggressive that Ruth was left with bruises on her wrists. Ew. And she showed her friends and like, that's physical abuse. Yeah. But when they were apart, they would write each other sappy love letters. They were honestly super codependent. Um, not really healthy. If you yeah. ask me, I'm the same way in relationships. That's what therapy's for. But it was very much like, oh, I can't live without you. Like I... You know, I'm miserable without you here, that sort of thing. And it's like, also, I'm literally more miserable with you here. So, ugh. yeah, it didn't. It seemed I mean, I think it's very common for relationships in your teens and early 20s to be very unhealthy. Oh, hi. Yeah. Yeah. And for, <laughs> yeah. for you to either not realize it or just accept it as like part of life. Um, and I think that happens to a lot of us. Maybe not to this extent, but... But it's like you want to believe that that is your first love. So you want to look past all that bullshit and like you want to be like, oh, this is it. And then you realize later like this is that was not it. Yeah. Like that was maybe an eighth of what it should be. And it's one of those things. It's so easy to recognize in someone else's relationship. And then your own you're like making justifications. Or I can even tell myself like this is fucking dumb. And then I'm like, do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So welcome. Also, the reason I'm in therapy. And also back then, I mean, obviously, this was a relationship with two women. So a little different. But It was very accepted for men to abuse their wives. Oh, yeah. I don't know specifically in the Mormon community. I'm not sure how they felt about that, but just in general in the U.S. Amen. Yeah. I mean, not amen in a good way. Like, you are correct. Yeah. So, uh. all right. So that was kind of just like breezing through a three-year relationship. They may have been on and off a little. It was kind of hard to tell. But like tumultuous at best. Yes. All right, so now it's 1926. At this point, Sarah is 22 years old and Ruth is 23. Sarah works as a stenographer at Firestone, like the tire company. Oh. (laughs) And then Ruth worked as a cashier at Dane's Jewelry Co. All right. And Dane Company. I can't believe I didn't. I forgot to show you pictures, so I forgot to write it in my notes. Inguinette, Alpharetta, and Kennesaw. Did you get my joke? I forgot. I was distracted by the pictures. I just like. It was fine. But it was really funny. Just real quick, here are some pictures of Sarah. She looks like two different people. Yeah, she kind of does. But I mean, on the right, she's obviously like gussied up for a portrait. And then the other picture, she's just chilling. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So and also she might be like a bit younger than the one on the other side. <laughs> Hard to tell. I think so. They're black and white and blurry. Who knows? They are. They. I mean, everything is Play-Doh from those years. And then this is Ruth. Wait, sorry, except for Ruth is clear as crystal yeah i don't know how this picture is like this (laughs) i'm so shook this can't be who's the rusty four yeah so there's a picture of ruth with three of her friends and i guess they called themselves the rusty four so i thought that was really cute i don't do we like ruth i forget so far from what i know and from what i could tell sarah was the one who was like the aggressor in the relationship can I still comment on Ruth's hairline? Oh, yeah. And how confused. Not even the hairline. You know when a cocker spaniel, when its ears are like really fluffy, but the rest is kind of flattish? Yeah. That's, sorry, it was like a Photoshop app, cocker spaniel on a person. She's like really cute, other than her hair. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have a lot of options back then. Yeah, but that's fixable with just like a small pair of shears. <laughs> a small pair of shears. 
I don't know. Let her live her life. No, she can't. I mean, honestly, Druth, I really like you. (laughs) So far. So far. Uh, But when you're a bitch, your hair's fucking ugly. Ouch. Okay. I have bad hair days. I'm not saying it's just her. Most of my hair days are bad hair days. So, like I said, Ruth and her hair and then Sarah, they were just like in a relationship. It's 1926. Are threesomes allowed in Mormonism? Oh, Taylor. You said Ruth, her hair, and Sarah. Yeah, I did. You're right. Oh, Lordy. Okay, well, it's January 1926. And Sarah wrote in a note that she, I think she wrote it in Ruth's journal. Okay, like to her for her to kind of find. Kind of, yeah. So she said, At last, my sweetheart and I are together. I love her so awful much. I am crazy about her. Why I ever treated her so rotten is a mystery to me. I love her more every day. I will be content as long as she will love me. Hmm. So it seemed like at that point things were going well, theoretically. Right. But it didn't last very long. And the roller coaster of a relationship that had been happening over the course of several years finally came to an end. It took a nosedive and Sarah broke up with Ruth. Wait, Sarah broke up with Ruth? Yeah, Sarah, who had, number one, I don't think I mentioned this, but she was actually the one who kind of pursued the relationship in the first place. She kind of like wooed Ruth, if you will. Okay, I will. But then she was the one who was like very controlling and she was the one who ended the relationship. I wonder if sometimes it happens that way because, I mean, this is total speculation, but like maybe because the person that is the abused in the situation is already like so broken. How hard is it? I mean, it's so fucking hard to end a relationship like that. It's like basically impossible, but it's not. So maybe it's almost easier for the abuser to just like cut ties when they're like, over it you know yeah i don't know because it's tough because i i do believe she had genuine feelings for ruth i don't think she was just like control freak. no totally but it's like if you're abusing someone there's got to be some sort of like shield i hope or like i don't know how to explain it i don't know yeah just not a healthy dynamic overall yeah it's also possible that sarah's parents may have influenced the breakup a little bit Because they had really been trying to get her to end things with Ruth for a really long time. I don't know how much they really knew about their relationship. I'm not sure if they were aware that they were like romantically involved. Gotcha. Um, But they definitely thought they had a strange and unusual friendship. So they knew. I think so. Okay. (laughs) Do you know if they were like an important influence on Sarah's life? Like, did she take what they said? Did she care what her parents thought? Was she kind of like, I don't give a shit? Yeah. Uh. Her family was important to her, but her parents said that she didn't really let them influence her relationship. Oh, okay. So when she finally did break up with Ruth, it seems like it was probably of her own accord. But I just wanted to point out that her parents could have been a factor. Yeah. And they definitely were like in the background either way. Yeah. One of the reasons they didn't like Ruth, apart from the fact they were probably homophobic, Mm -hmm. is that uh, one time Sarah was supposed to go pick up Ruth when she was like traveling back from California. And there was like a mix up about the time. So... Ruth got so mad that there was a mix up and Sarah got on a train and went to like meet her and then brought her back home. And it was just like then Ruth refused to talk to anyone in Sarah's entire family and was just like being like a little biatch. So again, like the relationship is not super healthy on either side. Yeah. I just didn't hear any like actual allegations of abuse from Ruth. Right. Like if that's the worst situation that she put you through, like you got it all right. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? We don't know everything at all. Well, no, no. I'm just saying if that is. Yeah. 
Oh, well, then in September of that year, Sarah's family decided to move to L.A. Her mom was sick, and I think they thought it would just be better for her there. Mm-hmm. And Sarah didn't join them immediately, but she planned to move there at the end of the year. Here is an excerpt of a letter that Ruth wrote to Sarah after the breakup. She said, Sarah, dear, I worship you. I adore you and always shall. I would even die for you. There is a wound in my heart that will never be healed, but I'm glad I've loved you and I treasure everything. You are worth every heartache you have caused. Oh, that's sad because I like have basically written that letter and I'm like knowing that even as you're writing, that's not what you fucking feel. It's like you want to you want to think that it was worth it. And like you want to be like okay well the bad was still worth all the you know the good and like the stuff i'm learning and whatever and it's like no no fucking person should have to deal with that yeah i mean honestly like you do grow from pain but it would be great if you just like didn't have to deal with it in the first place or like maybe different kinds of pain and not like one that is someone you think you love or do love fucking abusing you yeah well Even though they were no longer together romantically, they still spent time together before Sarah moved. Well, that's not going to work. No, it's not. Ruth was obsessed with getting Sarah back. She was like, really just wanted to be with her. She thought they were meant to be. Mm. So one day that fall, Sarah and Ruth were hanging out with Ruth's friend, Liana, when they got into a big argument. Um, Not sure about what. But later that day, Sarah wrote Liana a letter where she talked about her relationship with Ruth. And Sarah had actually just met Liana a few weeks prior through Ruth. They weren't like good friends or anything. So I think she wanted Ruth's friend's perspective on the whole situation. Okay. Liana had actually known Ruth for four years, so they were pretty close. Oh, wow. Okay. In this letter, Sarah brought up the fact that Ruth had threatened to kill herself if Sarah wouldn't be with her. Oh, no. Strike. Yep. This is where this is where it's like that's an abusive tactic as well. So that's why I was saying this relationship's unhealthy on both sides. Oh, that's fucking too far. Yeah. 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 No, it might be a different situation, but that's not okay. Yeah, you can't do that. Ugh. Um, it's very common that people do that, but you you can't fucking do that. But don't. How about don't? Um, so then here's another I, I'm reading a lot of excerpts. I just thought it was really cool that there were these firsthand records from yes. the situation. Yeah. Give me all of them. All right. So this is a letter from Sarah to Liana. Just part of it. It's a little long, but I cut it down to the most important parts. I'll try and handle it. Perhaps I'm at fault there because I cannot give her a definite reason for acting as I am. If I were to tell her that I had found someone else, then she could understand that for me to quit her out of a clear sky, she cannot understand. Now she tells me that since she's lost me, or in fact, everything that she holds most dear, there is nothing more to live for, and as soon as she gets her affairs arranged, she will quit. By that, I take it that she means she will commit suicide. Do you really believe she means that, or is she just bluffing me? If she ever did such a thing, I would always feel that I was to blame, and wouldn't that be a nice thing to carry on one's conscience for the rest of one's life? In my estimation, she would be a coward if she did that. Am I right or wrong? If she were at all religious, she would not even contemplate such a thing. But you cannot tell what a person will do. I'm immediately mad. I do not think she wanted a different perspective. I think she wanted to fully talk shit about Ruth. Mm, Interesting. I literally, as you're reading that, I'm like, all she's doing is beating Ruth down in every comment she makes. Not, I'm worried about her safety. I'm worried about her health. It's like, oh, she wants to commit suicide. Like, do you think she's gonna? It's like, that's not the kind of reach out you do. I fucking am annoyed. That's a really interesting perspective because I kind of viewed it differently. Like, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. 
But like, I also get what you're saying. But when you're reading that, I got mad. Yeah. And again, like this was a bridge. So I'm not reading you all of it. Mm-hmm. I'm reading you, I guess, like, I hate to say this, but like the juiciest parts. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot more like back and forth, kind of like contemplating. Mm-hmm. Um, But no, totally like, yeah, there should have been probably more concern for Ruth's safety. Right. Also, like, I'm going to have a a heavy conscience if she kills herself because of me yeah my life is gonna be ruined it's like ugh. i mean i get it that's yeah, all yeah, yeah. true i'm not trying to take that away but it's like fuck it's fuck off. not the most empathetic that's for sure it's like barely empathetic yeah and it is like it's fair to say hey do you, this is fucked up do you think she would do this or do you think she's just like trying to get me back right like that and she was also writing the letter to ask for genuine advice on whether she should just lie and say she was in a relationship with someone else Mm -hmm. so uh not totally excusing it definitely could have been better but it's a tricky situation it's very tricky and it's like hard because it's so long ago there's no way to really know all the facts and like yeah we're fully speculating on things oh totally and like you only have like you know you have sarah's accounts of sarah's personality and like you know kind of like that so it's just iffy yeah uh well shortly after this sarah went to visit her family in la and from what i can tell that's where she met a man named clarence howers and started some kind of romantic relationship with him yes and i'm kind of wondering if that was an excuse if she just wanted to find someone so she could say she had moved on and you know have a clean break so ruth wouldn't be left wondering also do you want to find a man so you can be like sorry like there's a clear reason I don't want to be with you, you know, almost like a cutoff, like I don't want to be with a woman anymore sort of thing. Yeah, that's possible. I just wonder if it added kind of to the excuse of like, we can't get back together. Here's another reason. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, maybe she liked this Clarence dude, but her friends did say she wasn't into guys. So who knows? Yeah. All right. So that was September. Now we're in October. Ruth starts spending time with a guy named Alfred, and he's a watchmaker that she works with at the jewelry store. I love that. He was into her, but she was not really into him. She just kind of like tolerated him taking her out. She's like, uh, I'm bored and this is all right. Yeah. And he said that over the course of like the few weeks they were spending time together, she started to act weird and distant mm. and he was like kind of worried about her. So he would invite her out more and be like, let's go see a movie. And she would just kind of like go, but not be that into it. And he said like, oh, it was very clear she was preoccupied with another relationship. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it, it's sad. But I mean, also like he knew. <laughs> right. You know what you're getting into. All right. So this is where we get into the crime. Oh, oh, my God. I forgot it was like a true crime. It is. Oh, balls. I've just been like, you fucking suck and you fucking suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess abuse is a crime as well, but that's not what we usually cover. Right. All right. So on Saturday, November 27th, 1926, Ruth went to work at the jewelry store as usual. And she saw Alfred, the guy she was like sort of seeing. And he was in charge of the cyanide at the store. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it's back in the day. They use cyanide to clean jewelry. OK, so it was very common to have it at a jewelry store. And on that day, Ruth asked Alfred how much cyanide it would take to kill someone. Oh, no. Ruth is the killer. Oh, no. And what did Alfred respond I don't think Alfred knew. He was like, I just fucking clean jewelry. He's like, well, it's um, this is enough to kill a watch. So by the way, this is the jewelry store. I just thought it was cool because it's still there to this day. It's not a jewelry store anymore, I don't think. But it's a historic building. Oh, my gosh. OK, that's pretty. I really like that. It's like a really tall, skinny. I was almost like, where is this? Oh, duh. It's in Utah. Um, But it has a big sign in the side. I don't know. I just like that. That's my jam. Yeah. So it's like a historical building. Um, I don't think they can change the way it looks. So it looks like it did back then. 
Oh, okay. And there's no scaffolding outside, which is a plus. That's true. There's just a bunch of stores right next door. It's fine. All right. Well, the next day, Sunday, November 28th, it was supposed to be Ruth and Sarah's final date together before Sarah left for L.A. They had plans to meet up at 9 a.m., but the day started off on a bad note when Ruth called and was like, hey, can we push back our plans to this afternoon? Hey, I have to pick up some cyanide. I mean, I have to run some errands. Can we meet later? (laughs) Basically. Um, And Sarah was annoyed because they had a whole day planned and she was like kind of begrudgingly going in the first place because she was felt weird around Ruth. Yeah. And she was like, I don't want her to really try anything like I'm not I'm not trying to pursue that anymore. Also, like I put my whole day aside and I'm ready and now you're making me wait. Yeah. Um, And also she just didn't want to get home too late. She was like, I'm not trying to get home at midnight, bitch. (laughs) So that escalated into a fight and she called Ruth a liar and was like, I can't trust anything you say. But eventually they compromised and decided to head out at 11 a.m. Okay. At 930, Ruth borrowed Alfred's car. And again, Alfred is her coworker who she was kind of dating. At 11 a.m., she stopped by the jewelry store to pick up a ring that Sarah had bought her. And she had left it there. To pick up a ring made of cyanide. Right? No, but she told her coworkers that she was going to return the ring to her, and then she left to pick up Sarah. So I think it was supposed to be like a, well, I'm never going to see you again. Here's the ring you gave me. Goodbye. Oh, Lordy. Okay. When she got to Sarah's place, Sarah was dressed super cute. She was wearing a new silk dress she had just made. Ruth, meanwhile, was wearing hiking clothes. Oh, God. How dare her? (laughs) They both were like very outdoorsy, and they liked to go hiking together. So it's not like totally out of the blue, but it's just like they were going... Not on a date, but like a day on the town, you know? Yeah, but it's like you need to be in hiking clothes when you like roll Earl up in a tarp and throw him in the river. Oh my God, Taylor. <laughs> Sorry. I just don't want to sweat in my new silk dress I made. AKA why I can never wear a silk dress. Right. All those dresses you make all the time. Yeah. All the silk that I wear. I literally probably don't even know what silk feels like. Silk comes from bugs. I think that's cool. A worm isn't a bug. Really? I don't know. In my head, it's not. Whatever. I'm sure it is. It's not an insect. They're all bugs. Bug. If they bug me, they're bugs. So you're a bug? Fuck off. Bugger Bo- off. Bugger off. If you're a bug, I'm a bug. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We are not. You guys, it's almost one in the morning. I don't want to talk about it. I can't. All right. So Sarah's dressed super cute. Ruth's wearing hiking clothes. Sarah's like, why are you dressed like that? And Ruth lied and told her it was because she had been driving all morning. She drove to her hometown and back. So she wanted to be comfy, I guess. But that that's like not true. She didn't go to her hometown. Also, if you wanted to be comfy, you'd be wearing a robe and slippers. Amen. So inconsistencies galore. I'm just catching lies here and there. Mm-hmm. Well, then the girls went to the nearby city of Ogden, where they visited Ruth's grandfather and uncle. And then they went to see a movie at the movie theater where her cousin worked. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Then they headed back home around 7 p.m. Oh, long day. But not as long as it should have been. Yeah. I mean, good thing that they didn't leave at 3 p.m. or they'd be out till like forever. Yeah. At around 8.30 p.m., a man who I believe was an off-duty cop, but it was honestly hard to tell from the article. He saw them pulled over on the side of the highway in the town of Bountiful, Utah, just north of Salt Lake City. Bounty cookies from Tesco. Oh, that sounds so good right now. Mm. Those are coconutty and delicious. Ew, I hated that. Oh, I haven't slurped on here in a while. It's been a minute. Uh, So they're in Bountiful. He said they were standing outside the car talking, and one of the women waved like she was kind of trying to flag him down. But he was like, eh, whatever. She probably just wants a ride. Like, there's a trolley coming soon. She'll be fine. Eh, I'm a cop. She wants my help. 
a citizen of my city? How dare she? Yeah, the newspaper gave the excuse that he was like driving an overloaded truck or something, but I don't know, whatever. I'm like, how about your overloaded fucking cockiness, asshole? Yeah, your ego. Yeah, a cab. He actually might have been like, it said he was an officer, so I assumed cop, but he might have been like the armed forces. Who knows? He was an officer of the butterfly display at the museum, at the local museum. He was like a... No. He was an officer of the Boy Scouts troop. I was thinking that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a few minutes later, two cousins, two adult men, were driving home from visiting friends. <laughs> That's my scariest situation. Sorry. Two cousins, two adult men. I was just clarifying when I said cousins. <laughs> they're not like children or whatever. Can we please mention, don't talk to me or my adult son ever again from Wine and Crime. Yeah, I know we talk about other podcasts a lot, but it's because we love them. It's like, uh, look, we listen to the same ones, mostly. It's one of our only sources of pop culture and entertainment in life. Literally. So, uh, yeah, and Wine and Crime. Don't talk to me or my adult son ever again. I will laugh about adult son for the rest of my life. Don't talk to me or my adult cousin. Literally my two adult male cousins. <laughs> okay, moving on. All right, so they're driving home from visiting friends, and this is a few minutes after the cop or whatever passed. Okay, yeah. Um, they noticed the car also pulled over on the side of the road, but what made them stop was not the car. Right, row. It was the bodies of two young women lying in the road next to it. What? No, what? Ruth was lying on her back, and Sarah's head was resting on Ruth's arm. Some articles said it looked like Ruth had lay down, but Sarah had fallen. Wait, but Sarah was on top of Ruth? Yeah. Huh, okay. Their bodies were still warm, but the men couldn't tell for sure if they were dead. So they obviously like sprung into action. They flagged down a car. They loaded the women into this car and had him drive them to the hospital while then they went and contacted the police. Did I miss? Did I black out for three minutes of your story? What the fuck happened? Well, that's the mystery. We don't know. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to rage. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let me tell my story. No, I thought you were saying that that's a mystery that we're never going to find out. It might be. I will move out. Okay. <laughs> when the women's bodies arrived at the hospital, they were pronounced dead. And obviously, it was a big mystery of like what happened to them. Was it foul play? Did someone kill them? Was it a double suicide? Was it a murder suicide? What could have happened? I know what happened. I'm going to let you go first, though. Okay, cool. Well, we'll quiz you at the end. Okay. So they conducted an inquest then into this whole situation to see if a crime had occurred. It had. It, it probably had, but we'll see. So again, there were some slight variations in different articles, so I'm just going with what seemed most credible to me. Okay. Take it with a grain of salt, but it generally happened. So first, authorities found a ton of letters written back and forth between the two women, including some that were over 20 pages long. And I read some of those to you earlier. Not all 20 pages, thank God. Oh my gosh, that is so long. Yeah, and they were full of like, you know, some of them were arguments and like whatever, but a lot of them were just like professions of love, like when you're 20 and you're horny and you miss someone, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like they couldn't text. They just had to write it all down. Wow. Exhausting. Seriously. My hand would hurt. I know. Talk about ink waste. How do you even have any energy left for then what your hand really is meant for? I thought you were going to say, how do you even have any hands left? No, I'm talking about that fingering. <laughs> it was like in a show and they're like, did you finger the suspect? And I'm like, please buy me dinner first. Right. Like, can we use different language? I literally hate that. I'm watching SVU and they're like, did they finger Kragen? I'm like, 
oh i don't know this is personal business right this is sex crimes we should not be using that bro yeah oh yeah so we were talking about oh the bodies no the letters the letters um okay so basically when they looked at these letters in mass they found essentially what i told you they basically told the turbulent story of this woman's relationship this women's jesus this women's relationship i swear i speak i speak (laughs) (laughs) you guys i swear that i speak i do you can hear me oh this is gonna be a fucked up episode okay save me from ourselves (laughs) that didn't make sense either yeah so over the course of this relationship they saw that sarah initially pursued ruth but over time she pulled away and ruth became somewhat obsessive Mm. so some biology stuff a chemist named Herman Harms. Oh, biology and chemistry aren't the same thing. They're not. <laughs> well, he's a chemist and he did the autopsy. So science stuff. Yeah. He found that the women had ingested enough cyanide to kill at least two people each. And Sarah had actually ingested more. There was no evidence of other drugs in their system. Mm-hmm. A glass bottle containing an additional teaspoon of cyanide was found on the scene. Cyanide solution like cyanide mixed with water. Oh, okay. It wasn't mixed with anything else, though, to disguise the taste, like liquor or soda or whatever. So they were basically like, there's no way someone could have drank this without realizing what they were doing. Yeah, but you can force someone to drink it. Yeah. I mean, ew, okay. I'm, I literally have a video of a crime scene playing in my head. Yeah. Well, you know how when you drink something and like something thick that's like a smoothie or something and you take a sip and then you put it back down and there's like a film left over kind of where you tilted it back? Yes. It's kind of hard to explain, but hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. Well, apparently there was some marks left behind on the bottle that they had drank from. Uh-huh. And so there were kind of like two distinctive marks. And take this with a grain of salt. It doesn't sound super scientific to me. But based on that evidence, um, the autopsy guy, did I tell you his name? Herman. Herman Harms. Herman Harms. What a good name. I just had to point that out. Hermie. So Hermie was, he believed. <laughs> what? I just didn't expect you to say Hermie so fluidly. Oh, well, Hermie believed that Ruth took her dose slowly and deliberately and Sarah's was taken hastily. By force. She also, like I said, consumed more than Ruth did. But honestly, it's like such tiny amounts anyway. I'm like, "Mm, does that really mean anything? The thing is, like, if Ruth was like dosing slowly, I don't really know how cyanide works, but that's kind of sounds like what they're saying. No, no. No, Like she took she like took a sip. You know what I mean? Like she like. Oh, like carefully, like. sip, And then Sarah's was like. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, And also like cyanide just a little bit of cyanide can kill you Mm -hmm. and it would have killed them within 10 to 15 seconds after ingesting it so it's like it happens fast i mean when do i get to say my theory um one minute okay i have a couple more facts for you and then you can tell me what you think okay it better not change my theory or i'm gonna make it fit (laughs) okay (laughs) a friend of sarah testified that she may not have been able to taste the cyanide because she had a bad cold at the time a bad covid at the time yeah Shortly before Sarah's death, she and that friend had gone to the store and Sarah made her friend smell the perfume she was buying to make sure it was the right kind because she just genuinely couldn't smell anything because her nose was so stuffed up. And how long before was that? I don't know, but like shortly before. Okay. Another person who testified was Albert, who, by the way, was in articles as Alfred. Wait, now I'm saying Albert and I think it was Alfred. I think you said Alfred before. It's Alfred. I wrote Albert because some articles said Albert and some said Arthur. 
Oh, I was like, see, that's why I'm like, make up your damn mind. Like, how hard is it to get that right? As it's I get it wrong, not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you got it wrong because of other people. Exactly, I get to blame someone else for sure. So Alfred, uh, he testified, and he was saying that like he knew she was wrapped up in another relationship. He did not know it was with a woman, and definitely didn't know it was with Sarah. But she would confide in him. Ruth would confide in him sometimes about the relationship and like her struggles. So mm. he just knew there was someone else. He didn't know any details. Okay. But she told him some things, including the fact that her ex, aka Sarah, said that she should look out for poison in her drinks. Uh, he also said Ruth was worried at one point that Sarah might shoot her on the dance floor, but wouldn't elaborate any further. Hmm. But she said she wasn't afraid to die. And uh, meanwhile, Sarah's father believed that Ruth had killed his daughter. He alleged that Ruth had told him a few weeks prior that she was going to get Sarah, quote, for keeps. Ew. And this is the part where you get to tell me your theory. Okay. My full theory is I'm not going to speculate exactly how it went down. Like, why did you get out of the car? How did you actually, like, tip it? You know what I mean? Whatever. In my head, it's something like, Ruth and Sarah were fighting. Ruth had the cyanide, obviously from Alfred yeah. at work. And the ring was an excuse because she went back to get the cyanide. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I forgot to mention when, oh, okay, yeah. when their bodies were found, Ruth was wearing the ring. That's, oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Duh. So now I'm, my theory is solidified. So Ruth murdered her. She forced her to drink the bottle. I don't think the taste has anything to do with it. I think that's like a fine testimony. I think... If Ruth was forcing her to drink it, it doesn't matter if she tasted it or not. Um, what I would like to know if there's any like spit up on the clothes or on Sarah's mouth or neck, you know, like it dribbled down. They said that the bodies were like, you know, nothing was unusual about them. Their clothes were clean and intact. Mm -hmm. um, of course, something like that, I feel like could be missed because it could just be a little bit. But just so you know. Right. Like I would like want like neck swabs, which obviously in like 1926, right. they're not going to have that. Yeah. But anyways, I'm taking too long in explaining this. But basically, Ruth forced Sarah to drink it. Sarah like passed out. Ruth laid down. Ruth was like ready to die. She laid down with Sarah on, you know, kind of on her like cradling her almost as if like we're dying together like this is our we're leaving together I'm holding you like you're kind of mine kind of thing and she just probably said the poison thing to Alfred and whatever to start planting other ideas like no I heard her say that Sarah wanted to murder her with poison it's like yeah yeah and also at the same time I'm like I'm not saying I am super blaming Ruth like I mean everything's fucked in this situation that's exactly it it's like really hard to it's not black and white at all no and it's like you've both committed crimes you're both shitty but you're both also not right and i fully believe that you probably both loved each other yeah. and have a fucked up relationship yeah and it's i can't imagine how hard it is now to like deal with being a mormon and being a lesbian and i don't know just being religious and being a lesbian to be honest and especially in the fucking 20s. Yeah. I Like, what? Like, it wasn't a thing. I mean, obviously, some places it was a thing. But I'll talk more about that in just one second. And you couldn't even drink it away because of fucking prohibition. Amen. I think they, they did drink. Well, secretly. Yeah. I mean, like, illegally. They were, they were not hardcore, clearly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So with this evidence, uh, unfortunately, the jury could not come to a decision about what happened to Sarah. They couldn't decide if it was suicide or murder. I think definitely the police were leaning towards murder, but a lot of their friends were leaning towards suicide. Because you don't want to believe that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. I think um, it's like a coping thing. Probably. So that's my that's my vibe. Uh, they don't know for sure to this day. Damn. But it seems pretty likely that basically what you described is what happened. Yeah, because it just doesn't make sense why one would have more, why one would be drinking deliberately, why one would be like more spread, you know, whatever the word would be. I don't know, but like. Hmm. Yeah. So another thing that was a little contradictory was some articles were saying there was a thermos as well, separate from this little bottle they drank out of. The bottle was partly broken, but hmm. like the bottom was intact and it was sitting upright. So the liquid was still in there. Yeah. And then I'm not. But what confuses me then is like, how can you tell the lines from where they drank? But maybe they like pieced it together. I don't know. True. Or maybe like it cracked like a chunk of it cracked out but then there were still like lip marks on some of it where some were smooth and some were smudgy and crazy that's true that's possible but then yeah so i don't know what's up with this mysterious thermos that potentially had more cyanide in it it was just like it was a little unclear and just different in different articles so that could have been another factor but i don't really understand it interesting this is so annoying i know i'm annoyed and like i don't even know how i feel yeah, because it's a lot. I feel all the things toward everybody, actually. Yes. Oh, all right. Well, to close this out, I want to talk a little bit about homophobia and the perception of same sex relationships in the 1920s. Oh, all right. So it's I was talking about like, we're going to get to it. We're getting to it. We're here. We're here. So uh, there were pockets of the country that were more accepting of LGBTQ plus people, more so LGB people. Then it was like LG people. Yeah. Um, but Utah was not really one of those places. Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah. Color me shocked. Uh, still like opinions and beliefs really varied widely. Some people like today thought two women in a relationship was evil and demonic, whatever. Others just thought it was like a little odd, but none of their business. And of course, a lot of people just kind of pretended that in, for example, in Ruth and Sarah's situation, they're just two besties living together. I'm like, that's literally doing nothing for you. Yeah. That's changing nothing. Right. Like, about what you know. Okay. I guess like whatever makes you feel good. No, don't. <laughs> but also that's damaging. You're an idiot. Yeah. Seriously. Fucking deal with your emotions. Uh, well, homosexuality back then was often referred to as inverted genetic instinct, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's an interesting phrase. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So. Hmm. But when you think about it, it's like describing Kind of, right? Kind of, yeah. Like, I, mean, I don't I don't like it. Yeah, it sounds very scientific. But then again, so does homosexuality. Yeah, also just like inverted. I don't know why it seems mm. almost like wrong to me. Yeah, it has like negative connotations. Yeah, it's like it's not right. It's inverted, which I don't even think that's necessarily what it means. But yeah. it just makes me feel like icky about it. Totally. I mean, it was the 1920s. They didn't know what the hell they were talking about. I mean, we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Amen. It's been a ju- hundred years. <laughs> and we're literally still like, huh? huh? And people are still like, it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> God. And like, it sometimes it is adam and steve and brian and daniel like every day a boomer sees that meme on facebook for the first time and thinks it's the cleverest thing ever you know it happens it happens another way that people referred to homosexuality okay so actually this was from one specific newspaper article it's not like people are throwing this around but they talked about it as a psychopathic abnormality however they said it was not unusual so i think the way they were describing it in some ways was very clinical like Mm -hmm. This person's brain works differently from how most brains work. And when they say like an abnormality, it's just like, oh, it's it's different. And the psychopathic thing has to do with the brain. Right. It sounds like 
it's probably less judgmental than it sounds because these are kind of like scientists describing it. Not that scientists can't be totally fucking biased, obviously. But it's like today if someone said that, I would be like, what the hell is wrong with you? But like then they're literally trying to find a medical way to describe what they think is going on. Yeah. And our brains do everything and are also stupid and are the smartest things ever. Oh, my gosh. Christopher always says this thing and it just like made me think of it. He says, do you know the brain is the only organ that named itself? And I'm like, boomer meme. (laughs) I'm going to say that to him. (laughs) Hilarious. But anyways, that's it. Back to your thing. Okay. Uh, There's one famous neurologist named Dr. Joseph Collins. And in the early 1900s, he said, it seems impossible to make the average American believe that this is not necessarily a vice. When genuine, it is not a vice. It is an endowment. So he basically was like, it's a gift. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's totally normal. A lot of people think it's weird, but there's nothing wrong with it. And when he said, like, when legitimate, there was like a little more. He said that was basically like, you know, any relationship can be creepy. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Right. I almost like that we look at it like that. Like every relationship is creepy. And why don't we just backstep from that? Amen. Uh, And he also believed that around 3% of people are born with same-sex attraction. So he thought it's like a born-this-way situation, relatively common. And that was the 1920s. So that's interesting. Oh, I wonder what that number is today. Oh, funny enough, you ask. I looked it up. Shut up! Yeah. All right. So studies today show that around 3.5% of Americans identify as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. But 1 in 10 report experiencing some level of same-sex attraction. Oh, duh. I'm like... Doesn't everyone You're have like that? Miley Cyrus. I know. I'm like, I'm literally bisexual. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting that the numbers are kind of comparable. I'm assuming those numbers are just going to keep going up as people get more comfortable with it. But mm-hmm. not like more people are going to become gay, but more people are going to be like, you know, OK. More comfortable with expressing it and yeah. telling people and not being, you know. Exactly. Not hiding it because people are douche nozzles. <laughs> you know oh god well that's it i just wanted to give you those facts i think like this story is really important for a couple of reasons number one obviously queer people have always existed even in deeply religious communities and it's not talked about enough accurate and then number two abuse in gay relationships and lesbian relationships especially lesbian like women are often not thought of as abusers but they absolutely can be and so i think it's just an important topic to talk about yeah and it's probably different like the reporting style and people taking you seriously and just like oh i mean there's so many factors that go into it yeah if you're interested in that topic um specifically like abuse and lesbian relationships i actually listened to a really good audiobook about it that my friend jesse at work recommended i don't think she listens to this but if you are hi jesse hi jesse um and it's called in the dream house and it's a memoir about a woman who was in a same-sex relationship with a woman who's abusive And she talks about like statistics and history and also her own personal experiences. And it's like really poetic. It's like a beautiful book and heartbreaking. Highly recommend it. Cool. I'm going to skip it. Totally fair. You guys let me know. I'm going to focus on the trial. You focus on the sad book. We'll come together and chat. Yeah. So it is something there's not a lot of research on. So she kind of like compiled a bunch of it in her book. So I thought that was really cool. I th- I love when people do that because first of all, annoying that there isn't. It's like we have so much research on the fucking Pythagorean theorem. But it's like, <laughs> God forbid someone wants to know what the statistics are of women abusing women in relationships, whatever. Uh, well, that was a super fucking chaotic episode long many things some fun some sad all the emotions all the emotions we're really tired sorry i interrupted so much 
as I was doing it, I was like, Taylor, shut the fuck up. But I just had to keep doing it. You were like, I'm going to regret this when I'm editing. Oh, and even just like, why do I keep interrupting your story? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's OK. It's like you want to like sort of have some levity within it and like have sort of side conversations. But at the same time, it's like super serious. So right. It's like, then you have to jump back into the seriousness. And it's like, mm. it's like rough when I make a joke every five seconds. It's probably not even funny to other people. My earring hurts. I need to take these headphones off. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, we really appreciate each and every one of you. Except um, unless you're mean. Your bitch ass that left a review, a one star, but that said we're okay. Okay. Okay is three stars. At least two. You can't give us one star and say we're okay. And like you like our concept. Like, okay. How about, okay, give us two stars. How about your dad should have pulled out? And I'm like, okay. How about, okay, hole, go in a K hole and fuck out of here. <laughs> I don't know. I just it's one in the morning, you guys. It's late. Uh, uh, wait, before we go. Oh, what? You're annoying. As a reminder, you can check out all our photos from this episode on badtrippod.com or Instagram at badtrippod. And we would very much appreciate positive reviews on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that you can leave a review. And, um, you know, shoot us an email, badtrippod at gmail.com if you want to say anything like the lovely Margot did. And finally... Stickers, bit.ly slash badtrip01. That's where you can request your stickers. We want to give you lots. The end, the end, the end, the end. It was nice talking to you guys. Your section was longer than mine. You can't be mad. <laughs> I'm not, look, who didn't finish their notes three days ago? Okay, we'll see you um, next week. See you then. Bye. On this <laughs> bad trip. This was a bad trip. You just shot yourself in the foot. Wow, wow. Bad trip.